0: Shooters, welcome in to week five of Hoop Troop. You can start to feel it, we're getting ever so close to postseason basketball and things are getting tough, things are getting tight and getting a lot more fun and we dive into all of that. We talk with uh, Coach Larson and Coach Betts about preparing for the postseason and being able to make a run and some adjustments you can do on the sidelines and in practice. Uh, it was a lot of fun kind of picking those guys' brains a little bit. And then, as always, we get into big games of the week, uh, which everyone took in across the state and preview this week and what's to come. We appreciate you listening. As always, shoot or shoot.
1: You can guard me in the paint. I'm an artist. See, I hustle on the flow. Call me Rick Ross. See the troop get it jumping like a tip off. I play hard till I hit a rep, blow the whistle. I'm a player, but my game be so official shooters
0: welcome back we have another episode of the hoop troop got the troopers with me i'm excited to get things going Uh, a lot of basketball to talk about we're getting down to crunch time here uh, as we get even later in the year adam what's good man how's this going your way tonight we're
2: good as you said crunch time getting closer to state tournament time uh we are almost uh well maybe a couple weeks away from march but it's getting there so excited to uh hear about some of these games from last week and some of these upcoming games that are getting more and more important here with, the, with, uh, with all the Troopers here.
0: And a big week too. I feel like this um, a lot of those snow games were somewhere around the schedule this time of year. So we have quite a few teams that ended up getting three games this week, which we'll touch on a few as we go through. Um, but one of the things that uh, you start to kind of take a look at, we talked a little bit last week, uh, tightening up the rosters here a little bit as we get a little bit further down the road and closer to the tournament time but another one is late game situations um, and how important how important those are to a team's and a team's success and so I want to touch a little bit on those you know this is kind of more specifically driven towards um coach Larson and coach Betts um late game situations you know we only have so many time, so many hours in the gym with these guys how do you prepare for them Um, What do you see as maybe some advantages or no brainers that uh, you might be instilling or giving advice to young coaches that are, are looking for feedback on late game situations and coach Larson, we'll start with you. Um, What are some ideas that you have that have been floating around? Well, you know, the initial
3: thing, when we started chatting about this, um, that came to my mind, I think the number one thing that kind of is a X factor in big games down the stretch is the ability to inbound the ball. Um, in late game situations and sometimes you take that for granted and when the speed of play intensifies at the tournament and the nerves intensify you're not just going to pop out and get open probably and so you got to have some ideas out there Uh, um, and so we I I don't know I've just thought about that a lot I I will tell you my last couple years this kind of became in vogue and I will tell you um, I don't know why every coach after a make made basket does not have what I call the football play in and um, you know, where all five guys line up out of bounds and then you can have them basically run different routes and then get it to whichever guy you want to shoot your free throws, right. Or get into your press breaker. Um, So I I've thought a lot about that. And my biggest question is, how do you always defend if, if you're trying to, to pressure, you know, and not let them inbounds the ball, you always defend by getting between you and the basketball, right? Your man in the basketball. We all agree. And so if they allow us within the rules to do something that the defender can't get between us, I just think we have such an advantage because it's not like the defender's going to jump inside of you as soon as you, uh, you go. And so, you know, I just think that's one really great way to do it maybe have a home run play out of it where you can go get yourself a layup so you don't even have to shoot free throws. But we were just talking, and I know Coach Betts and I were were talking about it, that this is the time of the year that you want to really concentrate on some of those things um, because they're going to be the difference between finishing out wins and getting losses. And, you know, you can play a whole game. It's kind of to me like the NFL when you sit there and watch – and they, they don't know how to manage the clock in the last two minutes. You play that whole game and then you're not ready to actually have put some thought into
0: how you're going to win at the end. Yeah, I agree. And it comes down uh, to the end, obviously making a play and then preparing and you know, that IQ is, it's hard because some kids just have it. Um, you don't have to spend a ton of time on it and other groups of kids, you, you know, you feel like you, that's all you're doing. But, um, and so another thing, and Tom, that you brought up too, is is, is hand signals um, and, and making some adjustments out there. But what what other situations or um, things this time of year uh, do you remember really kind of trying to nail down?
1: Well, again, you have to be able to do it without timeouts. You have to be able to do it when you can't communicate um, when you're in that packed gym and the, the guy doesn't know that what you're calling. So you better, like I said, you better have that in some sort of hand signal, and you better be able to do it with with no timeouts or if you have to save a timeout, I mean, you can't burn a timeout every time you want to take the ball out of bounds. Uh, Most of these things come about because they bit you in the rear end at one time or the other. And it's a lot of those uh, situations. Uh, You know, I was, I was just thinking back about uh, a healing situation from years ago where, you know, you shoot a free throw and uh, with three or four seconds left, you make the free throw. But one thing I learned there is, if you make that second free throw, you want to substitute. You want to yep. have a sub at the table, subbing in, so you don't get that. You don't give that team the opportunity to get it out. You don't have your matchups. Where's my guy? All of a sudden, they're flying down the court. You make the free throw. That way, it lets you set your defense. You know. But those those little situations, you usually learn the situations because it gets you. It got you once. Yep. Um, You know, little things like. You know, how do you tell your kids we're fouling with 30 seconds left and who you're fouling? You know, we were always red for blood, 22, 33, whoever was, you know, um, but there's all those kind of little things. And uh, I think an important things that, you know, a lot of coaches do, or you should do is when you, if you're watching college basketball, so many times we watch our own film, but when you, you're watching it, maybe it's an NBA game, a college game, maybe it's something on YouTube and you see that situation, show that video to your kids. Because they're going to buy into that. You know, they're going to see, oh, that, this is another team, and this is what the coach is talking about. Teach that situation through video.
3: You know, to add on to that, Brian, you know, one thing I, I, I know I had said to a couple of people, I think I put it on Twitter last year, is, you know, at the end of the season, you'll see a lot of people like, I got to get back in the gym and start working for next year. And I, I remember saying this, and I've told this to some of our kids too, just, I think the best thing you can do in March when you're out of the tournament is actually watch basketball. We have so many kids that have such great skill level, but the kids that win in those late game situations are savvy because they know what to do. The coach can't dictate everything. A lot of times it's great players. You know, I, we ended our state championship with they, uh, Sergeant Bluff Luton made a shot that put us only up two, but they were out of timeouts. And we had three guys on the court all like giving the hands, stop, stop, stop. And then Tyler Johnson knew I don't have to inbounds the ball so they can't follow us and the game was over. But that's we could we could sit there and yell that during that moment. So that's, I think, a big part of it, too. If you get ousted and you go to a high school game, you know, pay attention to some of that stuff. And as players, you got to make those plays.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things. And we've talked a little bit about the talent and how things have continued to progress in our state. But uh, just the understanding, the basketball IQ side of things um, and, and taking games and, like you said, learning those situations, um, it, you can often pick out that kid pretty quickly on, on who's watched a ton of basketball and learned from not only what he, what he saw, but uh, has been able to imply it. Uh, Doug, a question for you from, from more of the officiating side of things uh, and to Tom's point as far as having a call on it. Coach is over there screaming, foul, foul, foul. And then it's uh, questionable, did the kid make a play at the ball? How Does that impact anything? Is that something, like, what do you think from the officiating side? I mean, attentional-wise, I mean, the kid, you know, was making a play. Coach clearly, you know, was screaming what was going on. I mean, what's, what's your take on that?
2: I think the good officials know. You know what's going on in the game. And if you do have a hard foul in that situation, you're not going to call intentional. You know the intent is to foul, and they're not hammering a guy. They're, they want to make sure that it's foul. Most officials won't call an intentional unless they tackle the guy. Um, but at, when you get in this time of the year, you usually have your, your top official, a pretty good official, and they understand what's going on.
0: Yeah, I was just always curious because, like you said, Tom, you usually have a call for that. Um, and sometimes it depends whether that's to not completely show your hand to the other team and what you're trying to do. But uh, I always thought, too, I mean, the official makes it real easy if you don't make a play on the ball that you were intentionally trying to follow them. So, yeah, go ahead, Doug.
2: Well, and what usually happens is then the one side of the crowd just screams and hollers, you was on him and uh so that that's always good you get a get an uproar of the crowd but uh as, a, as an official you know what's going on you know what they're trying to do and in late game situations they're trying to foul you're not because you, you, that could determine the game if you call an intentional right. foul they get the ball of to bounds too so
0: you mean the whole side throwing up the axe on the on the opposite side or <laughs> yeah, what? Like,
2: that's right <laughs>
0: that's right <laughs> <laughs> they're begging begging for the call um, one more thing before we get to the games, uh, you know, we kind of start to uh, honestly, and sometimes I feel like almost outthink ourselves and out prepare a little bit, but uh, you start to see some changes, especially second time around. Uh, you run in those situations where you're trying to, you know, play or beat a team the third time. And that's always a challenge. And so from a coaching standpoint, uh, you know, preparing for changes, like whether it be a junk defense or something that. you you just completely exposed the team you know maybe two times through league play and now you're going to see them in district play uh you know experiences that you guys had or how do you continue to prepare uh you know for those changes or um curveballs that anyone wants to throw at you tom you got a situation that you remember that uh as far as being prepared
1: well you know it was always hard um Harlan, for example Harlan was famous for playing a triangle and two, whether inverted or, you know, a traditional triangle and two, box and one, some sort of junk defense. And if, you know, if you don't see that all year long, it's uh, you know, it's, it's two kind of twofold. You've got to coach your kids that you just have to play the game of basketball, like you would been playing it all year, that it's just, it is a gimmick. Um, but you also have to have a couple, you know, maybe two or three little strategies that, you know, whether you're overloading it or, or who you're screening versus versus something like that. And so um, I think it's all about, you know, doing your homework on the teams you're going to be playing and knowing what their history is. Um, and uh, again, just kind of prepare your kids for as many situations as you can. Larson, Yeah, you know,
3: I think to go with it, I'm just going to tell you, Brian, that uh, one of my least favorite uh, terms this time of year is it's hard. Times in the season because here's the deal: when you play the third time, it's hard to win the game no matter what. Um, I've been in all those situations, and actually, sometimes if you beat the team by 25 twice, I feel really fine about going into that game. And so it's just a little pet peeve. I I know everybody says it this time of year. It's just like, yeah, that third game is going to be tough. So I'd rather play a team I beat twice than a team that I lost to already once because I'm probably better than them. But that's just an aside. Uh, I, I agree with Tom, and you know what's interesting, though? The one thing, like, piece of advice I would give to that is sometimes you just said it right. You overthink it, and so obviously the last couple of years when I, I got, was fortunate enough to coach, you know, the leading score in the state, we saw all sorts of junk defense, but the number one thing we talked about, both him and then collectively as a team, is we can dictate things a lot more through our defense than – And if we do that, we don't have to worry about the offensive as much, you know, going in, we played Harlan uh, and Mitch Osborne, the first round of the tournament and everybody was, there was just a lot of articles being written. And I'm sure if we would have had a podcast back then, everybody would have been talking about how, Oh, what a, what a crazy matchup. Well, I think, I I think we held Harlan in the thirties and that's kind of what all our game plan was, was, Hey we're going to get shots on offense and we have enough people that can put it in the hole, but if we can keep them under 40, we're going to win the game. And so I just think that's something to consider. I liked what you said about sometimes we overthink things too much too. And there's, there's, we got to remember that. What, what do they say? Like 96% of the game is played without the ball in your hands. So make sure that you're remembering that.
0: Yeah, no, that uh, that is great. I mean, it makes it it makes a huge difference. And um, Tony, do I want to get a little bit of your take on this? Because obviously uh, you consume more basketball games than any of us Um, from two things. One, from a defensive side of um, what do you what do you think the percentages of most of the games that you see from playing man to man defense to playing zone or some sort of junk defense? Um, And then switching this time of the year, you if you've seen a team for second or third time, do they end up? going away from any game plans, or, or do you have a tendency to kind of see them pretty much kind of stick to their guns and either go down with the fight?
1: Um,
4: so I would say that probably at the at the bigger school level, 3A and 4A, I think we're seeing more man-to-man stuff. Um, and then when you get down to 1A, 2A, it's a lot more zone defenses that are being played. Um, and in terms of, of seeing teams multiple times in a year, um, I haven't done much of that because I'm trying to see as many teams as possible. Um, but generally, uh, I think teams pretty much stick to what they know. Um, unless, as Chris mentioned, you're seeing a team for the third time and they know your tendencies and stuff. I don't think there's really much need to, to switch stuff up.
0: Yeah, no, it's always, it's always interesting, like I said, just being able to – who makes adjustments and like I said, who tries to outthink themselves a little bit and who just sticks uh, with what we've done. And, you know, we had that conversation earlier when the imbalance, like do you stick with man or do you switch to a zone depending on what the situation is? If you haven't worked on it, you know, how quickly can these kids respond to uh, uh, what you draw up on the whiteboard? And so it's always interesting this time of year, because every one of those plays, every one of those possessions, whether it's the end of the quarter, end of the half, end of the game, that's going to matter. Doug, something to add there.
2: Yeah. I'm just curious. Um, Coach Larson and Betts, do you hold plays back like for this time of the year or tournament play or have different specials or or? – I'm just curious, you know, because everybody watches film. They probably watch every single game. Do you come up with different offensive plays or maybe, you know, a junk defense or that type of thing? I'm just kind of curious what you guys do or have done
1: or did. I'll go first. Yeah, go for it. um, You know – I, I never – I played junk defense one time, uh, it, it backfired as I watched Clayton Vettie after about a minute and a half offense get a lob dunk over us in the state finals as we were trying to box him on him. And that was I – looked, I looked at the assistant coach, Bob Gary, who talked me into the junk defense, and then I hit him. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was downhill after that. Um, but, but, you know, uh, I think we – always, we always had an out-of-bounds under – that we, you know, if there's under two seconds left that we didn't run all year, and maybe a side out with the ball, same situation that we that we, you know, that we tried to hold back. We practice it all the time, but we didn't want it to be on video, and uh, but not a lot. I mean, I think you still have to go. You have to win with what got you there. But for that situation with with just a little bit of time on the yeah. clock, maybe something.
0: Yeah. Hey, hold on, real quick. Guys. Hold on, I yeah. gotta ask Tom. So, Tom, that that Waverly team. Yeah. um What was the point guard's name? Without uh, on, on Waverly
1: on, on Waverly's team.
0: Yeah, I don't was know. That's... I still
1: got a Clayton. Vet. It was it? wasn't a little redheaded kid.
0: Yeah, it wasn't. That was later. No, that was no, the, we, that, that was two years later. Oh, okay. Yeah, they
3: beat us. <laughs> Man, yeah. that kid was. They a treat. beat us on that lob dunk. He, know, even the guy that did, the
1: he? I think he jumped up on the scores table after they won the semifinal game. He they took his yeah. shirt off.
0: He, th- he threw more underhand passes than anyone I've ever seen. Like he would just zip that thing underhand. And he, he, so he would, was he with Carlson then? Did he play? Yeah. He was, okay. So that was with Clint. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That kid was, Clint was a
3: sophomore on that team.
0: Okay. That, that kid was, I mean, at the same time, entertaining, fun to watch, but man, yeah. uh, coach Staggy, I don't know how, well that's probably why he doesn't have any hair anymore, I guess, but uh, all right, Larson, what, uh, what do you got for us? Well, I
3: I was just going to tell you guys, first of all, coach Betts is very modest because he could have brought up situations where he killed like uh, when uh, we got to play each other in the, in the finals. And I believe it was Tanner Ferguson came out and hit four threes in the first quarter. Cause we tried to play some junk defense on him and they blew us out. I still think it might be the most lopsided championship game, unfortunately. So uh, you're, you're a very hey, kind man, coach Betts. But hey, uh,
1: Lars, I have to apologize. I didn't realize it at the time, but, you know, we'd never, we never, we had lost a few times. We'd never won it. And I went back and looked and I think we were up by like 30 with three minutes left. And I still had my starters. <laughs> I, oh, I just, I wasn't sure. I just, just wasn't sure, sure we were going to get it done.
3: We could <laughs> score in bunches. It was kind of sad though. remember we played that game. We played in the summer that year and it was like a great game and they still beat us in the summer, but like, just wasn't our best, you know, Anyways, so I think so sometimes though you got to be careful with those junk defenses because then you can really set up other people to be heroes though, too. And, uh, you know, and and when it comes down to it, it, you just can, I don't know, it's really interesting uh, those junk defenses. But then in terms of saving stuff, the only thing I would caution people, I know a lot of people talk about that, save some stuff. One thing that's really hard though is everything looks great five on O or in practice against your JV team. And so you save this and think, oh, this is really going to work. And if you've never run it in a game, I've, I just found when I did that, then oftentimes I have to at least run it a little bit throughout the season. So maybe you don't run it as much, but you don't know how teams are going to defend it and how it's going to work in live action until you actually put it in the game. So
0: that's just a little something to think about. Yeah. So so to that point, then how often late game situation, you know, you need a bucket. Is it something rarely, if if ever, you're drawing something up on the whiteboard that you haven't ran or feel comfortable with? I I don't
3: think I ever did that. Um, I I always said, and and Coach Betts, I'd be interested to know, you know, me and him uh, both got to coach so many great players. I always just wanted to have stuff that I could make sure to get the ball in my best player's hands or have something where they could create. And we had our best shooter so that, you know, we put them in good space because in those games, it's just really hard to execute. And so you got to let your players go play is what I always thought.
1: Well, and this is, uh, you know, you, you, usually what you do in practice is you work through this stuff, but you're working through it with your top five, six guys, maybe. Well, we're right. in the state semifinals finals against assumption one year. And uh, we'd fouled out everybody except for Zach McCabe. And we had literally uh, numbers seven, eight, nine, and 10, and they're with him. And we, and Alex Malloy, who was a great player, had, we, he had to foul the point guard just so we could put him at the line. He fouls out. So now I got to draw something up because I guarantee I'd never run through this with these guys. <laughs> and, and, guess who, and guess who they're going to take away? They're going to take away the McCabe kit. Nope. So we, we run a little America's play, try to slip a screen. It's wide open. We don't get it. We, we kick it in. Anyway, Shane Gray's a little five foot four freshman hits a floater with a second. Left. I remember that. Out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, you think you're running through this stuff with your starters, but at the end of the game, a lot of times those guys aren't there.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. You gotta, you gotta be able to adapt. So, yeah. well, well, good guys. Love, uh, love a little coaches round table here to start tonight um let's dive in a little bit of this past week we we kind of led into it uh, earlier with the intro a lot of big games um a lot of things going on um if you guys can try to pinpoint some stuff in 3a for me as we're going through i would appreciate it because i don't know if anybody knows what's going on in 3a anymore um except for i guarantee that doug's got a new state champion that he's got pinned <laughs> down there so we'll get to that but uh game of the week uh Lewis Central was on your big board up your way, Tom. Uh, big week for them, and uh, unfortunately not all good. And so uh, take us through uh, what uh, was going on up in your corner this week.
1: Well, I was kind of keeping an eye on down south because Harlan, uh, you know, the, the, they were having the seeding meeting, I know, tonight. And, uh, you know, Harlan's had a nice year. But then, boy, they had a rough week, you know, losing at set. A uh, big game was at Lewis Central Friday, a rematch of Lewis Central and Harlan. And Lewis Central got that win. <coughs> 53 to 43. Uh, Unfortunately, they followed it up the next night. Last night, uh, it uh, down at the, uh, no, the guy with the big arena in Council Bluffs and they lost Elkhorn North by about 20. And so uh, that sub-state is just crazy. I mean, it's, uh, I think there are six, five, five or six teams that could come out of that sub-state in 3A. I don't think anybody's stepping up and saying it's theirs. Uh, So that was kind of the game I was looking at going into it. Uh, But I think a, a sneaky team, um, in substate one, that uh, had a nice win this week was Storm Lake. Storm Lake uh, beat Estero Lincoln Central 56-49. ELC's had a heck of a year, and Storm Lake has just been kind of hanging in the weeds a little bit, but they're playing well, uh, 10 and 7. And again, another three substate one that's uh, wide open. Yeah, uh, you know, when I look at that substate, uh, Storm Lake, Spencer, and I, we keep talking about these guys, um, Sergeant Bluff, Luton. Adam Adam Vanderscaff pulled out another one out of his hat this week against Heelan, and got revenge on the Crusaders uh, at Heelan. And so, with with Adam, he just he you know we talked about adjustments from game one to game two. He made great adjustments against Crusaders, and and he he uh, he's got his guys playing. So it's it's 3A is a serious flip of the coin
0: yeah that's interesting that uh council bluff so that's the mid-american center is that where that one was yeah, at yeah
1: yeah mid-american center
0: is that is that a nice facility have you been in there
1: yeah it's it's nice it's uh you know it's uh, a big concert arena it's um we've played there a few times nice place
0: okay we so we always we always play the iowa field house right next door uh, oh, cl- club basketball and that that facility is nice i was just i never knew Very what the nice. mid-american was used for so that's yeah that's interesting um not to put you on the spot, but uh, you were going to do some Humboldt homework. Do you have any Humboldt homework for us? Anything yet?
1: You know, Humboldt's winning. They're winning. Uh, I'm just this. I don't want to sound like I'm negative, Nelly. Uh, they got a great. I think what one one loss. I don't know what their competitions look like because you know BC Moore's got them at twenty, and yeah. they're you know fifteen and one, yeah. and so. Um, but you know what, winning is winning. 20, 20. And so again i'm gonna they're they're obviously they're in that mix uh, up there in that sub-state one
0: yep no that's why that'll be interesting we'll uh uh st- stay tuned on that one that's for sure yes. we'll keep an eye on the wildcats um all right tony what uh what'd you have over your way let's go take a take a trip all the way across the other side eastern side of the state uh what did you take in this week
4: yeah, so it was a 1a heavy week for me um before i dive into my game of the week though i wanted to touch on a game that I brought up last week to keep an eye on uh Grandview Christian beat AHSTW by just five on Monday night uh 72 to 67. I had those two teams uh ranked number one and two and 1A heading into that game and I think a lot of people around the state have maybe kind of assumed that Grandview is just going to blow through 1A competition when they get to Des Moines and I'm not sure that that's the case um they struggled with turnovers in that game against HSTW, um, and free throw shooting was a problem for them last year, and it was a problem for them in that game. So it, those are two things that you certainly can't have um, in Des Moines come March. So let's keep an eye on that moving forward. Um, my game of the week was down in New Sharon at North Mahaska High School. Um, the Warhawks played against Montezuma in a big rivalry game. Um, Montezuma came away with the win 57 to 50, um, Trace younger brother, Mason, talented junior guard for the Braves had uh, 22 points in that game. And their big guy, Eddie, Eddie Burgess, who's a absolute freak on the football field, uh, is a big force for the, for the Braves in the paint. Uh, I think he had 16 rebounds in that game. Um, North Mahaska is a really nice team. That's going to make a lot of noise next year. I think, um, Four of their five starters are juniors and then their top kid off the bench is a sophomore so putting together a really nice season this year and should be even better next year uh, and then one more 1a game wanted to touch on quick was north wind um, pounded lisbon on thursday night uh, by 25 jumped out to an 18 point lead in the first quarter against a really good lisbon team and just looked like they were on just a completely different playing field um so that's the type of team that could give Grandview some problems at state because of their up-tempo pressure style that could force, uh, force Grandview's guards into some turnovers and easy points.
0: I like it. There's, they they need to be sending some DMs to uh, at Chris Larson and um, get, get, get some messages out that we're within five of your boys. So, well, good. That's great. Uh, Doug. What do you got for us? Some more Pella action down
2: that way? Yeah, I actually, I pulled a Tony Rowe this week. I did, uh, I had three games in three days. So I was, uh, Thursday, I went up to your um, neck of the woods bets. I went to Dakota Valley. Oh my. Yeah. They uh, They got a nice team. Yeah, a good friend of mine coaches them. They're actually number one team in their class. And um, they ended up winning. But the great thing about it was they got a shot clock. And it's so fun to watch games with a shot clock because there's just – at the end of each quarter um, and, and the game, if you have a five-, six-, seven-point game, they play it out. There's no fouling. They just they just continue to play it out. So, took that in on Thursday. Friday had a big one. Peace uh, Pella played DCG. Um, great game, as always. Um, came down to the wire. Actually went to overtime. Um, and I actually tweet out with about – a minute left in the game, there was a timeout, and I tweeted, who's going to make the big shot? And sure enough, uh, the Jones kid, Jackson Jones, I believe his mm-hmm. name, running kid driving in, it out to him, huge three-pointer, tied it up, um, ended up going to overtime, and then uh, DCG kind of pulled away a little bit in overtime, but that was a fun game. Uh, atmosphere was great. DCG brought a huge fan base up. Um, that was fun. Uh, and then on Saturday, we went to, over to Pella Christian. They played band meter. I think that was probably six and eight, maybe, as far as ranking, something like that. Um, Christian pulled away late. In that game, I probably saw the best dunk I've seen all year. Um, kid Aiden, net, 6'3 guard, about 30 uh, – it was probably three minutes left in the game, got a fast break, dunked right on a kid. I, I got me out of my seat, actually. <laughs> and that doesn't happen too often, but um, that was my dunk of the year. But Pella Christian ended up winning by four, I believe, four or five. Um, and I got one more game, I right? Can I squeeze more, one more game in? Yep. Do it. <laughs> um, new London, uh, actually played new London first episode. I, that, was, that was my team to watch, right? They're 18 to one. They beat Winfield Mount union to win their, uh, win their conference. So that's, uh, I'm still looking out for my, for my boys down there.
0: Good, good. I like it. a lot, a lot of hoops, uh, for you today. Before we go to Larson, um, just because I, I pulled up and was looking at thing. thing. Uh, Tony, have you not, have you seen Lake Mills or know anything about uh, Lake Mills? I, I We have this northern part of the state that I feel a little isolated, secluded from, and being from that, I feel a little bad. But anything about Lake Mills that you can enlighten us on?
4: Yeah. I wanted to touch on Lake Mills last week, but we got so heavy into the sub-state stuff that I wouldn't, wasn't able to do that. Um, so Kyle Menke's got a really strong – Program up there. I think they're one of only two teams in 1A to be top 10 in scoring offense and scoring defense. Um, and I think they're kind of getting overlooked because, you know, the last two years they've gone down to Des Moines with high expectations and then lost in the first round. But those losses were to the eventual state champions. It was Lopsy Valley in 2019, Montezuma last year. Um, so 19 and 0, have a A big kid named Wyatt Helming, who's about 6'5", 6'6". Versatile on both ends of the floor, can score inside and out. Good defender. And then they've got a kid named uh, Bennett Berger, who's a really solid point guard, uh, about a 7-to-1 assist to turnover ratio. So they're, they're a team that can put it in the bucket and prevent teams from scoring. So I think they're a team that might be going a little overlooked there in 1A.
0: And probably exactly how they like it. I, I would imagine right now, just let us fly under the radar and go make some noise. Uh, when we get to Des Moines. So good. No, I uh, appreciate that. All right, Larson, what are you game of the week? What were you taking in this week? No, I'd love that. I, I remembered watching Lake Mills last year. That was a good call on,
3: on you. Good find. Uh, I just was going to touch on a couple things that we talked about last week. Uh, Van meter and Des Moines Christian played and, uh, Des Moines Christian got them back this time. And so I think they're going to probably, it looks like, end up splitting that conference title, both uh, losing to each other once. Um, but two really good teams that, that we're going to keep an eye on that are going to make a lot of noise. Now, interestingly, Doug also talked about that um, Van Meter then later in the week got beat by – uh, Pella Christian who is matched up in Des Moines Christian substate if they should both make it that far so um, those I think are just really three of the really good two-way schools in in the area and then I guess that my kind of team of the week that I was really keeping an eye on. got three a is such a I don't know there are so many good teams I just don't know who's great yet and uh, I know Doug talked about the, the, the big showdown in Little Hawkeye with uh, DCG getting out of there with a win. But um, also, um, I would just keep Winterset got three big wins this week. They beat Harlan and then they uh, beat North Polk, who, you know, we know how good they, they have been this year. And uh, they kind of hit the skids, but not so much against them. They're just losing close games to other teams. Um, so Winterset won three games they also beat des moines so they stepped up and played a 4a team and beat them by about 20 and then the other team that i think is just kind of quietly i looked and i couldn't believe it they're 15 and 4 and that's ballard um so all these teams you know kind of have three or four blips but it's kind of who's playing well now and i just know both ballard and winterset are on uh, you know relatively long win streaks and playing really good basketball right now <laughs>
0: good yeah that'll be interesting so and you mentioned it yeah the west um dmc and, and where they're at and that that conference because that that's split between those two correct and that's what yeah you said. right yeah. right yeah that'll that'll be interesting and, <laughs> doug was uh to go back to your the van meter pellet christian is just the size too much for van meter or what uh, was the difference there because that was at van meter too right
2: no it was at pellet christian okay um you know it was it was one of those typical Saturday afternoon games where it was, it was really sloppy. Actually, it wasn't a great game. Um, Pellet Christian kind of got ahead early and I, I thought they were going to blow them out actually. And they just kind of stumbled a little bit. And, and uh, I actually texted with coach Bohr afterwards and he's like, man, it was just a grinder for him. Um, I, just the eye test. I thought Pellet Christian was much better than them, but um Ben meter they, they hung with them. I'll give them credit. Um, but, uh, PC, they, they got size, they got length, um, a couple shooters, their shooters actually, uh, shot the ball pretty well Saturday, but, um, yeah, so that's, that was kind of what happened there.
0: Good. Uh, so then <coughs> this week, Doug, who's winning the three, a state championship.
2: <laughs> All right. We are going to go. Un- unfortunately, um, Coach Larson, you're talking about Ballard, who's who's now 15 and four, and unfortunately Ballard and DCG are going to be in the same sub state. Which mm-hmm. I think if we go back to what we were talking about last week, if we had more of like a Sweet 16. You know, there you're not going to see that matchup until a state tournament, but unfortunately, um, we will. So I, I mean, I'm going to go with the winner of that DCG Ballard sub state game if they both get there, and I'm going to go with. The team I just saw on Friday night beat Pella. I'm going to go with DCG is going to be your eventual 3A state champ.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to cop out there for a minute and just tell us the <laughs> winner of that game. I, I like you taking a stance. Thanks. Thanks on that, Doug. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. Check back next week though.
0: Check back next week. So do, do we know it? Do we know anything about these Vikings up in the northeast corner? Tony, anything? Do you know what? Have you seen Decora? What? Uh, what are we dealing with coming out of that neck of the woods?
4: I uh, haven't seen them yet. Gonna go see them on Tuesday night. They play uh, Fort Madison down at Kirkwood Community College. Uh, so that game lost a little bit of its luster with Fort Madison's rough week last week, but uh, should be a should be a fun game to watch and learn a little bit more about the Vikings.
0: Yeah, we'll yeah. Uh, we're gonna check back on that next week because we want to know what's going on with uh, with Decora. Um Larson. Before I get to you, Tony, new new gems this yeah, week.
4: Yeah, so. Uh, so North Mahaska was a new one on Tuesday night, uh, and so was Lisbon on Thursday night. So we're up to ninety-eight now.
0: Ninety-eight. We're gonna have to um, throw a party or have a cheers on a hundred. So probably next week. Celebrate. So uh,
1: Tony, Tony, had you ever made it to the old Heland Pit back when we were open?
4: Never made it to Heelan, No, um, right. I think the only gym far western Iowa has been Gabe uh, Lincoln, Council Bluffs. All
1: right.
0: I might, have, I might have to send you a memento. There you go. <laughs> there You go. You, guys get over on this side, on his side. Tom will to show you the ropes.
3: Hey, hey ahead, Tony Marcia. or Brian, what about Clear Lake? I was looking at them this week a little bit too. And you know, they've been good the last couple of years. The Toby, it, to, Toby, I don't know if I'm saying his name right. He's a senior this year, right? am i correct yeah, there tony Yep, yeah,
4: he's a senior how, how, how are they um,
3: playing and what, what what do you think about them
4: so uh, i just know he was really good with, when he was young yeah they they struggled a little bit early in the year because they lost a, a ton of production around him from last year's team okay um but they've it looks like they've won nine out of 11 after the holiday break So that's what i was looking kinda, at yeah so kind of regrouped there and um, they've got a nice freshman kid named Thomas Meyer who's got a bright future there for them. Well, yeah, and t- a dangerous team in the playoffs, especially because of how good Carson Taby is. Yeah.
0: And that, um, and that's Humboldt's only loss too. Right. I believe um, I think yeah. Humboldt, yeah. Humboldt lost Clear Lake. Uh, so I think they split that matchup and then, you know, Clarion who. Yeah was always the armpit of the league back when I uh, was playing has had really good teams lately too. And I think they're, um, they're right up there as well. And I think that was one of Clear Lake's losses. And then um, they lose Iowa Falls. I think I saw that they lost Iowa Falls as well. And who, um, you know, coach Costum is doing a nice job over there. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it seems like that's a little bit of a, um, you know, up and down, but they have some kids and some talent. And so, Clear Lake. Clear Lake has never really had a shortage of athletes. It's just a matter of do they have any basketball <coughs> players in the mix to go with those football players? Because they're always going to have the football players and have some athletes out there. Get a few kids that love the round ball, and uh, they're going to be able to compete. So, yeah, that's a good good call on that one too. Be interested uh, to to see how that shakes out, but. All right, guys, well, let's, uh, let's move forward. Let's uh, look at this week. Uh, look what's coming up. What are you guys excited about? Who do you have circled um, back your way, Tom? Uh, what's, on, what's on the big board this week?
1: My big board, a team I've been wanting to mention here for a few weeks, and I just haven't gotten them out of my mouth, uh, Newell Fonda, uh, having another great year. Uh, they play – it's a Twin Lakes uh, matchup with Sioux Central. Sioux Central is another really good team up here. Chad Buckholtz and Steven Chajanon. And uh, the last time they played, 12-3, uh, 62-61, it's, it was uh, at Sioux Central. And so that rematch is Tuesday night. new Fonda 14 14-2, Sioux Central 13-3. Uh, both teams playing really well right now. So that, that's gonna that's my uh, Northwest Iowa game of the week.
0: I like it. Looking forward to that. Tony, what do you got uh, circled?
4: Yeah, so. So Tuesday, I'll be at that game. We were talking about uh, Fort Madison and Decorah, uh, trying to learn a little bit more about both those teams. And then on Saturday, uh, there's an interesting doubleheader at Linmar that I'm headed to. Uh, Kennedy plays Dowling, and then Linmar plays Valley. Um, I kind of wish that those two games were flipped, and Kennedy was playing Valley and Linmar was playing Dowling, but um, should be a, a good opportunity to see some CIML teams that I don't usually see, and and kind of see how Kennedy. And uh, Linmar take care of those two teams.
0: Yeah, that'll be good. I'll be interested to hear your take on that, um, Doug. What uh, what do you got circled?
2: Um, I feel like I say this every week, but Pella seems to have a big game since we've started doing this every week, and it's no different this week on Thursday. Crosstown rival Pella Christian. Um, Pella goes over there, so it'll be at uh, at Pella Christian. So that'll be a big one for for this. For uh, uh, for both teams actually to kind of that that'll finish up the regular season for Pella Christian and Pell has one more game next week, um, but uh, so that'll be a big one. Uh, that'll be a packed gym.
0: Good, um, Larson. What uh, yeah. you got? Any any radio calls this week? What uh, what's um, like, what's going on your I'm way?
3: A, I'll have Norwalk Indianola on Friday, and you know I I, I decided I want to stay a little bit away from the big schools. Obviously, I think we all know there's some really great matchups in the big schools and and you're going to go watch your matchups, but I think we've hit those a lot. I wanted to talk about a matchup kind of here in central Iowa, central and into the West about two teams having a really good year in one a, and obviously this will be their, their last week before a tournament starts. And that is Madrid against Guthrie center or what? So what are they now? I'm trying to find what the the actual because they joined with GC, um, ACGC, yep, right? Yep. And, and uh, they're yeah, go ahead. Different, <laughs>
0: different A-C- 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 ACGC. A-C.
3: My bad. My bad. It's Tom's <laughs> birthday. We got to give him a little, you know, little grace uh, here. Love it. He's, he's in, in a different mode. But uh, uh, both of those teams are on, you know, substantial win streaks, about seven, eight-game win streaks. Uh, Madrid, I've been keeping my eye on. Um, Brian Surratt, I, I think I'm saying his last name correct, uh, was one of Aaron Thomas' assistants up in Applington, and uh, he came down and took this Madrid job, and they have really been uh, coming along, and uh, I, I just know, I, I kind of have just keep, kept an eye on him. He used to. I, he, we just kind of crossed paths. And then I looked, and they play this game um, with ACGC this week, and they both have 16 wins, I think, on the season. So big, big game for them. And I uh, just wanted to kind of shout out a couple smaller schools that are having great seasons.
0: That uh, that Matter team is interesting. They have a couple of Severson um, boys. The younger Torin, uh, he can he he can score it, and then uh, a couple of seniors too uh, in there. That's a, that's a it's a nice, uh, little squad there. That's something where, um, uh, have you the... seen yet? what's that? Have you seen them yet? I have not seen them, but, uh, I, I taught those kids. I taught Caden, the, yeah. the older one. And so I, I know the families, I know those kids. I haven't seen them play yet. Um, I know year. they're in
3: uh, Des Moines Christian or, you know, Grandview Christians, uh, district. Yeah. And I'm just, I'll be curious to watch, you know, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, It'll be fun to see like, if they, they can't put a game plan together, kind of like what we were talking about, to, to give it a run.
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting. It's interesting, to, obviously, a football powerhouse school up there to see things are changing a little bit. They're starting to become a uh, heavier yeah. focus on basketball. Um, and so, yeah, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on them. Um, uh, so for my game, actually, I'm just going to lean on Tony. I want to know what your take is going to be with um, Washington and Williamsburg. Is that tomorrow? Any, any insight on either one of those teams over towards your side?
4: That is tomorrow, yeah. Um, I, I give a lot of credit to Williamsburg. Um, they've been stepping up in, in class in a lot of their non conference games this year. Um, they prepare them well for postseason play. Uh, they've got a really nice sophomore wing named Derek Wieskopf, um, who's getting a lot of uh, Division one football interest also. And Washington's just got a really nice team. Uh, Washington should probably take that one just because they're they deeper and more athletic than Williamsburg. But that that should be a fun game.
0: Yeah, that's uh, – I didn't, really knew nothing or heard much about Washington. So, obviously, like you said, probably should take care of business um, stepping down. But uh, Williamsburg, you know, ha- has had a nice season over there as well. So, I'll be interested to see how that goes. Doug, uh, do you have something else too? Sorry, we kind of jumped over you there.
2: Oh no, I just at Madrid I just saw they were look like their top two top three kids. Two of them are freshmen. So uh, you might as I'm sure Tony, you know who, who those guys are.
0: Yeah, they uh I was gonna say they've they've like I said, that's kind of changing the page or turning the page a little bit up there. Those kids are getting more and more invested. Um in, in the round ball. And Larson, to your point too, that's, you know, credit on, uh, on what the coaches have done. They've had actually some good, you know, young coaches, um, the last, you know, really the last three up there, um, have been pretty devoted, uh, towards making the change and, you know, kind of buying in and getting in the gym. And I know that those kids are, are buying in and loving it and they're starting to see the results. So that'll be a team, team to keep their eye, keep an eye on as well um, as we move forward. So, all right, boys, anything, uh, anything else pressing, um, Tom, what do you got? You got uh, some birthday I, shout outs, anything that we need to well, add? I got,
1: you know, I got, I always got a couple of shout outs. Yeah. I do want uh, to just give an update. Western Christian keeps rolling up here. Uh, they went up to the Pentagon yesterday and beat, uh, Minneapolis North 68 to 50. I saw them last weekend. They are clicking and clacking. Um, and then two shout outs. Dave Irwin, Lamar's got his 300th win this week. And Raz Vanderloot, he's got his 250th win. Two good dudes.
0: I, I saw that Raz uh, graphic everywhere, it felt like, on Twitter. That was uh, quite the deal. How, I mean, he's got well, the he has, Nike he sponsorship in there. Raz has his own, market- got, marketing, has his own marketing
1: department. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Come on now. I was like, I man. Can,
1: I can say that to him
0: i i wasn't sure if that was 250 college wins or if those was high school wins i mean it looked pretty professional out there he
1: was he was counting hayworth hoops league too Jeez. but uh no and dave Irwin got his 300th win at lamar's uh, became the school's all-time uh, winning uh winning coach
0: that's great that's great all right uh before we get out of here larson you you have any um any guys that are you know, going to be playing um, or wrestling uh, at the wrestling championship, and then turn around and playing down at the well two weeks later. Or Ooh, any cool stories? Wow, we
3: got that. That's a thing. I got to look into it. Obviously, we talked about the, the Ballard Crow Crow kid, and then I got a couple shoot because a couple people reached out to me and reminded me of things. Um, who, Tony knows the kid from—he's up north, right? Who's really, really good. He placed last year, and I think he's a 1,000-point scorer too, right? The, the guy who's uh, going to Iowa.
4: Yeah, Aaron Graves from Southeast Valley, uh, going to Iowa to play football. Good wrestler, good basketball player too. That's,
0: that's just crazy. You'll have, to, you'll have to do a little more homework on that one and keep your eye on it for us, Larson, so we can yeah, circle definitely. back to what those guys got going on. Um, Adam, anything to add here before we uh, get out? Just taking this all in over there, just sponge. This one
3: over here. Uh, one more shout out for total wins. Um, your friend and um, serious touch guest. Um, Noel McLaughlin, I believe, got two hundred this weekend, last weekend. So congrats, to, congrats, hey, to coach. I did, um, I missed that one. Holy cow! Good guy. Yes.
0: Awesome uh, to uh, awesome to see that, and uh, even better guy, even better guy. Yeah, there. Oh man, Larson, I feel bad. We both missed that one. I that's, know. That's good I, catch by I, Adam. I, let
3: Jeez. me tell you. He'll let us know about it. So that's the good thing. He,
0: he won't hold back. So that's, that's all right. That's what we want. That's what, that's what we're here. We're here for it. Um, we, uh, you know, we got some thick skin in the backbone and we, we love it. We love you guys' feedback. We appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate you interacting with us. Um, going along with any of our games and activities and stuff that we have. And your feedback is always, always greatly appreciated. And as always, shooters um, shoot. Or shoot.